spidey senses tingling. He's the host that I will say has the penultimate bod for six pack abs. He's 92% effective to MSD, and MSD is six pack abs. You know, mastered standard ab data. He's 92% effective. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Show. Episode 260 Fun. Welcome to the show. Paperkeg.com. Three people that are aware of each other's existence get together and do a book club together. This week, Weird War Tales. And then we'd read your letters live to close out the show. I don't know what that introduction was. I bla- I blacked out. There was a lot of it was like I just inhaled and snorted bleeding. some peyote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was that was from a, a special host of the show. You know, he's always attacking those dirty libs any which way he can. Uh, he's a writer. But not by trade. Has, hasn't been published in I don't know how long, ever. Stay tuned. But we have that kind of uh, cachet, podcast cachet. <laughs> we have a writer. Jonesy Lewis Beer, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, I think if you count my high school literary magazine as a published document, I think that was the last time I was published. So, uh, What was the name of that document? 16 years ago. I, you know what? I think I have a copy in a bin somewhere. I'll have to fish it out. Mm, but fish it out. You know, we went to the same uh, high school, the same alma mater. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you could you could corroborate my story if you wanted to, but <laughs> let's let's not break the fourth most, wall. Most of the let's memories I on. have of our of our schooling together is you driving me to school and us having <laughs> near death experiences <laughs> like once a week, frequently, and it was usually on ice, any kind of snowy day. I would uh I would try to get Matt out of class early, but then whatever we saved in class time, we would almost die on some. I had this beat up, eighty eight Corolla, you know, ball tires. We would Jumping slide through like, intersections. Uh, I don't know how. I'd just it's just you saying that the memories are coming back to me. But you had a way, you know. We always poke fun at Jones. We have another host. We're gonna get to him in a second. <laughs> Reminder: Weird war, weird war tales. Our book club today. Jonesy. Everyone knows Jonesy is like you know he he has a gravitational social pull when he walks into a room. He becomes the mayor of that fifteen foot radius. You know, we've all seen it at the the meetups we used to do. So in high school, that was that was oh, amplified man. by ten <laughs> by a mag by an order of magnitude. And when these when these weather situations would happen. Jonesy had no idea what class I was in, but he would appear at that room when the time came with like a note or some kind of cockamamie story. Like we we gotta get we gotta go the weather. I gotta drive him home. And these teachers were like, 
you know, they just lapped it up. They're like, oh, Chris, thanks so much. You know, you're great. It's like they put the hand on his shoulder, like, what? looking like, Chris, you're what? great. You know, you guys go. It's like 11 a.m. There's no snow. <laughs> Josie, I swear, his the way he has with people charms them. They don't even know what decisions they just made. They just released a, a high school senior. Yeah, it's like the teacher. You know, the teacher's like, Chris, you know what? I've got four wheel drive. Here's my keys. Take my car home. You, you, I, you do you, Chris. It'll be fine. Bring it back tomorrow. I'll be here. <laughs> Uh, we have one final host. Oh, we didn't go to school together, but it felt like we have. Yeah, it did. Over the years. It really did. Uh, he's been called, you know... We would have probably been in a different class than my building trades class where uh, instead of building things, I would just avoid getting punched in the nuts and my my <laughs> personal property getting destroyed by the high school seniors. Oh, my God. Building trades. So was your was your schooling... Uh, before I ask that question, podcast bad boy, Dale underscore a VP of this podcast. He puts it all together. Mm. He files the paperwork, the 401ks, etc. cetera. Uh, we don't have a CEO of this podcast. That's always goofy when people say they're the CEO of a website that just made on WordPress. So we're not going to do it. Right, yeah. Come on. So were your, was your high school experience, uh, essentially 80, all eighties movies? Where you're walking and someone like trips you and then pushes your rear end forward when you're bent over picking your books yeah, up. Yeah, it might as well have been. I had these uh, cockamamie ideas about what I could be when I grew up. So in 10th grade, I took building trades for two periods in a row. And uh, mm. it turns out building trades was just like either you were a senior who uh, drove a pickup truck and were buddy-buddy with the cowboy teacher or... You hid in fear, much like the uh, kids at the end of, uh, or the, all the kids in Dazed and Confused. Like, you just lived in fear of, uh, you know, getting staple guns and nail guns fired at you and the teacher looking the other way. My so, God. I smartened wow. up after that, and I was like, you know what? This is not me. I'm just, I'm like just trying to live get... Varsity Blues as your life. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jonesy. <laughs> For when he mentioned cowboys and pickup trucks, <laughs> I, I thought of James Vanderbeek. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, and then I was like, uh, you know, I, I was just trying to get through. I just, you know, I needed out of that experience. So then I switched to like computer science and stuff and I, I was much happier. But still, you know, just Captain Wallflower over here, you know, just trying mm. to get, just trying to get through the day without getting noticed. Right. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you were a captain. We're 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 uh, a few days removed from you captaining the PK five K ship mm. on Sunday. It officially happened. We pushed out a special Patreon only episode pre race. Hasn't been released to the public yet, but if you're a backer, you can listen to it. It was amazing, FYI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the five K happened. We all did it. Who wants to talk about the experience first? You know, there's a lot of emotion. We're all filled with emotions. I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. Please, Jones. You know, I, I'll, I'll build it up to a crescendo, and I'll let Dale, you know, fed, you know, Dale ride it out. You know, I would never be in a... I, I never thought um, two years ago I would ever be in anything like a 5K, you know. And uh, Slim has been an active runner for... Four or five years, is that right? Not that long? Maybe maybe three. Maybe geez. three? Okay, so, you know, I exaggerated. You know, shocker. Uh, Everybody but us would eat it up and believe him, but that's... 
<laughs> 11 a.m. Say that in my six pack abs. There's a, well, you're you're penultimate six. You're 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 just eight percent shy. So, MSD. You know, you you take you take a sometimes a grain of salt for like runner culture, and um, you know people. You know, I don't think that they put down runners, but you know, it's kind of like a. How do I want classic Gen Z side? How do I want to say this? Like people say, oh, your runners, you're you know, they're always cheery, whatever. It's got to be a, a it's got to be a front or a facade, you know. Mm-hmm. And my first five k that I that I basically walked ninety to the same percent as Slim's abs, ninety two percent. I walked, you know, I just not with my knee, and then I was afraid to test my knee, and then I really got into it, you know. 75% of the way back and then I was like maybe this is something I could do to run but people I've never met encouraging me every time I would pass somebody every time I would you know try to run and stop you know it was good job it was you know nice job thank thank you for the uh, cause that we were going for and um, I was and I could say this I was genuinely impressed by the culture of running and Based on that culture alone, it promotes a desire within myself to to learn to do it and do it as well. And I can't say that for most other organizations or most other lifestyles or most other social cultures. And uh, I, like I said, I was genuinely impressed by the way everyone carried themselves and how everybody helped each other. And I was, you know, I've been thinking about it probably every day since we ran how mm. how impressed i was same here jonesy i was uh it was such a warm feeling to uh to not it was so cool to not uh you know i was i'm not a runner i don't run i tried uh, running a week before the event and uh you know i pulled a, a muscle so um but to be able to like not be ashamed or afraid of being winded or or having to walk or or uh, to not run and to still be cheered on and to still be encouraged was a very was a very great experience to have and and slim right there beside me um you know cheering me on and coaching me on and pushing me uh, as hard as he thought he could and, uh, you know, get milk a little bit more out of me. I ended up just ignoring him. But that's my, I'm I'm a bad student in that case. But uh, it was, I was surprised, like, you know, I my jogging is like a fast walk to everybody else. But I jogged, I stayed in a jogging motion for the first mile, but things quickly broke down after that. It was, uh, I mean, it was the hottest I've ever been, I think, <laughs> It For the record, like, 106 degrees that day. That's not that's I mean, not a Jonesy exaggeration. That was how it felt with the humidity. 106. It, it was easily the hottest day of the year. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, it was so humid and hot. I try not to say anything during the entire <laughs> run or the the day right. itself because I mean, I was sweating my bees off like as we were starting. It was so hot. Like, I didn't go my normal pace, but I felt like I burned just as many calories in that heat 
yeah. and sweated more than I would have in like a 10K. Easy. Yeah, there's a, bef- there's a before selfie that you took of the three of us slim, and it looks like we are, we're halfway through the race already. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> Yeah, you um you mentioned the you kept your running pace. We started out um uh, because I saw that your running pace the week before was like 14 something or four or yeah. 14 and a half. So I, I, I met I told you I wanted to beat that whatever pace that you had the week before. And we were doing good and then I think that heat just kicked in, honestly. Yeah. Around like before we even got to the turnaround point like it was, it was really hot. I mean, and like I can't stress enough the, the the amount of sweat that we were. Like it looked like we took a shower and then put our shirts on in that after race photo. I, I have yeah. to ask. I was the only one uh, that didn't wear the shirt. I didn't wear the ribbon. And uh, was there a yellow dye scenario on your torsos <laughs> from those unwashed <laughs> press? I completely regret just not leaving my workout shirt on that I would normally have worn. Had Green Lantern Mm -hmm. on it, PK, 5K, comic books. I put on that unwashed cotton shirt. I couldn't help but sniff it every time. Every five (laughs) seconds I was sniffing the green dye in the shirt. It smelled... I had to I had to imagine the saturation just from your body heat and sweat was enough to shrink the cotton threads onto your body like the I same mean, effect that a washing weight, machine really. would have You're, i mean you you have a sopping wet yeah t-shirt yeah. on your body weighing you down now i i also made a, a titanic mistake by wearing my black rash guard i had a white <laughs> rash guard available and i wore my black one i mean in terms of in terms of choices i certainly would have wouldn't have worn all black in that heat but <laughs> i mean i i did during that spartan race i wore all black and i almost oh, died yeah. afterward because it was so hot, so I can't. I can only imagine what Jones. You uh, you were under the microscope. It was the heat microscope. It was. I, I knew that I I had made a poor choice when the sweat started going down the back of my thighs through my under like my underwear, and then like dripped <laughs> on my ankles as I walked. Oh like it God. felt like I was in a misting rain, and it was really just <laughs> my back sweat because of my all black shirt traveling through my nethers. Mm-hmm. And then, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Sweat Irish nethers. Spring commercial, just like gently misting down to my ankles. But you know, a cop high five me, and that was like the like yeah, the great that was point mm-hmm. of my day. But the the people surrounding us, hey, three oh three, three oh three over here, and we high fived because that was my number. <laughs> the uh, the just the people surrounding us, and you know, uh, two people had hoses turned on the sidewalk so you could run through the mist. It yeah. was so cool, like the people watching the cross street so cars didn't come. Uh, you know, the last quarter wave, as Slim would say to me, as to not admit how meant how far we were along. Like the runners that we were trying to pass, they were like egging me on. It felt really good to have that kind of extra push. I definitely am like more intrigued and want to do, have a goal set for myself to at least beat last time. Uh, and you know, I rewarded myself all this week by eating like Italian sub every day this week. <laughs> Primos every day. <laughs> Primos. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, but I'm going to get there. It's been a, you know, a tough, it's been adjusted. I, I've been a, readjusting at work and stuff like that. So. So what was what was your post race body situation? Like maybe the day after the two days after? Oh, luckily my mother-in-law has this, uh, aerosol spray called biofreeze. And it works like a champ. It's like icy hot times 10. 
It's mm-hmm. in a little hairspray canister, and you spray like I whatever muscle I uh, we talked about pre race the uh, my kayak slash running injury. I definitely aggravated that, and I've been limping since. Um, so that's back. I got to make that go away somehow. But uh, other than that, it, I wasn't as sore, and I think that's a t- I think that's a testament to the fact that it was more hot than my body just stopping because my legs weren't really sore, like my back and shoulders were sore probably because I'm so heavy that I'm disgusting. But like I could have been a lot more sore had I had I had more effort in me. But the heat just socked me, socked me. Mm. I remember the uh, when we hit the um, the the mile marker up. My mouth was so dry that my lips were sticking to my teeth. I couldn't even, <laughs> like, I had to peel my lips off my teeth. Yeah, there, so. it, it did feel like I I had not drank a bottle of water in what felt like years. And that they give you the little paper cup with, like, yeah. you know, it's got to be, what, two ounces? Teeny tiny And it tastes cup. like you just, like, jumped into, like, uh, you know, whatever famous waterfall is, Niagara Falls. Like, it feels so good. Bushkill but, Falls. Uh, no. I, I will say... I am an idiot for not wearing my knee brace every day because the difference wearing that knee brace and walking those three miles between like, you know, today I walked, I don't know how many miles at work, probably eight, eight or nine. Uh, You know, not all in a row, but of course the six hour sword span. That's probably a mile and a half pace. Same thing I was doing on Sunday. And I don't wear a brace. And I feel like trash at the end of the day. Wore a brace. I felt fine. Didn't have any knee pain that night. Mm. Uh, the only thing I had the next day is my shins were sore. Because I, I just don't yeah. think, uh, even with the small amount of running I did and trying to keep my legs up, I just don't think I'm used to using those muscle groups in that way. Mm. So I could see as I start to try to run again, that's going to be something I have to stretch and pay close attention to as I go. But as far as like... I, I mean, I would have never been able to do that without the seven or eight months of kung fu under my belt or the diet and exercise. Like, I could have never sustained the pace. I, I, I didn't stop once. You know, I didn't at any point feel like I was overheated. You know, like I was, and I took Slim's advice. I maintained an uncomfortable pace. I didn't stroll. I definitely made sure that I was sweating, breathing hard, you know, sucking in air through my nose, breathe, you know, all, everything you do when you exercise. But uh, I was proud of the fact that I didn't come in last, I didn't drop, and I completed, you know? Heck yeah. Mm. When I crossed the finish line and my family was there, uh, ting- dinging little cowbells, cheering me on, I mean, I got yeah. very emotional. I didn't, I got way more emotional than I thought I would get. Same. <laughs> Same. Well, my... You know, my my wife, (laughs) I love my wife to death. And when she came over and gave me a hug and a kiss, I thought I was going to cry. I I thought I was going to (laughs) cry. Listen, I've had two children with the woman. You know, we're married. We've had successes, failures. For some reason, that felt like the greatest success of my life. I didn't want to be like, sorry, kids, this is better. But it was a great (laughs) moment. I mean, if you look at the post-race photos i don't know if i posted all of them but when we, we cross the finish line and dale finishes i think i'm smiling the most out of anyone <laughs> in the, the quarter mile area i was so happy that we that we did it we all did it it was a great i can't wait until we we sign up for the next one yeah, it was it was great and also listeners and everybody who supported us thank you so much we of course did it for the uh crohn's and colitis foundation i have some final tallies here 
if uh, oh, you guys are interested to hear. Uh, of course. There were over 1,300 participants in the race, and total raised nearly $200,000 wow. for the CCFA. So that's a great thing that we did as a, as a community, and uh, everybody who helped in mind, body, spirit, and cash, thank you for everything. It means a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, very, you know, we talk about the paper keg family, the extended paper keg family and the uh, the vocal minority and, and kind of all the jokey names we have. But to to think that there we've developed these friendships over the last five years and this is just one of those moments where you, you really see how important the friendships have become mm-hmm. and how real they are. I mean, that's the real deal. Yeah. Let's uh, let's keep it raw mm-hmm. with Weird War Tales. Amazing transition. I don't know if you know that about yourself, but that was... <laughs> Thank you. A high point. 1997. Vertigo Comics. A slew of creators. I think, we, I think there's four issues, and there's... Each issue has maybe about three stories included so it's 20 20 20 or so page comic books of short stories uh so we read the four issue miniseries jonesy please you know i'm gonna uh, in true form i'm not gonna be able to do a synopsis that will do this volume any justice but think about what if the twilight zone and the outer limits um crossed over with like parables and fables and that marriage was sealed with a kiss that is like a wartime in battle. And uh, what we have then are tales that are meant to be, you know, allegories about honor, um, allegories about, you know, personal victory in, in a losing battle. And then, you know, flip it to the other side. It's also supernatural stories. It's uh, it's fun larks about, you know, what's really behind certain uh, metaphors about battle and war. It's, it's very descriptive storytelling. And kind of the only... A great story is only an eight-page story can tell. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very brilliant in its um, conciseness. And uh, we're going to delve deep into the stories, I'm sure. But uh, a great volume that makes you realize how powerful anthologies can be and makes you want to read a lot more. Yeah, I wasn't sure how we wanted to dig in because it's three short stories or so per issue. So I wasn't sure if you wanted to go issue by issue or maybe we, we start picking out some of our favorite short stories or... I think maybe uh, maybe give over an overall view. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll get started. The the one that that I think I connected with the most when I first uh, started reading, and I I think I already know Dale's is Tunnel Rats, because um, it's it's the Vietnam story, mm. not the only Vietnam story, but it's like the Vietnam story. Remind me a lot of the things they carried. And I thought about that a lot when I read it. Uh, I was like, I can just imagine S eating grin that Dale has on his face. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Willow Warriors was probably uh, my favorite of the whole selection. Ian Edgington 
uh, on words, Eric Shanower on uh, on art and um, <clears throat> and lettering and color by James Sinclair. Uh, and it's the one of the parable stories to uh, shoguns and you know the during the Japanese Civil Wars face off, and uh, they're so well matched against each other that through um, the honor system is not the right thing I want to say here, but through their system of warrior honor, their bushido, they select two masters. Um, to fight the battle for them. So, you know, one-on-one opponents, you know, they very majestically take off their armor and face each other and bow. And the, the two are so skilled that they, there's no opening. So they end up standing as statues. And their honor is so great that they won't turn away from battle that they end up dying of, uh, uh, what do you call that exposure when you're just out and you don't eat and you're exposed to the weather and the armies are so touched by the show of honor they shake hands on the battlefield and agree not to fight and you know where the two warriors passed away these two willow trees grow miraculously and instead of bending towards the light and the water they bow to each other in kind of like the same uh, position the two warriors and and i i kind of just love stories like that those kind of like um, seven or eight page uh, morality plays and um, not really war as we would think it. I mean, it's not a modern war story. It's kind of um, like like something you would think would be on a Japanese scroll. That's something just beautiful story to teach you about honor and, and opposition. And the art is r- reminds me of like a Japanese scroll or like a, it was at a kabuki uh, you know, image that would go with like uh, Japanese art. And I think that's generally hard to capture. And I was really impressed that they were able to capture it here. So that, I mean, that ended up being the standout of the first issue for me. I think that, and that alone, that story stands out because every on every page, mm-hmm. the entire page is a mirror image of itself if you were to fold it directly in half. And yeah. it doesn't stray from that formula for the whole book, and it's to be able to keep up that our that visual storytelling while telling your tale. I mean, it de- it definitely just holds a place up high. You're just like, wow, this is uh, something special, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. The coloring, it was like reds and yellows, and the uh, the the tale or the the uh, the parable of it it was a it was a standout story for me as well so what was your what was your pick dale out of the uh the four issues uh, the four issues some fantastic storytelling in these four issues let me tell you but mm. tunnel rats <laughs> is no, is a close number one it's number two close mm-hmm. but the duncan fregredo story that illustrated where the old man peas the peas war and peas that's the story that stands out for me and that's just there's just so much power in that story it's about this old man who you come to find out had fault in world war ii they're in london and uh, his wife is just on him constantly just treating him like a second-class citizen uh, nagging him, but not in like a cute 
old couple nag. It's just like a she's just like a not a nice woman. And when he gets out of the house, he starts to reminisce and he starts to lose it a little bit, but only in the sense that he loses it so he could kind of like keep it together at home. Like he's letting off steam, I guess. He comes across um, these two kids violating the memorial where his buddy, his brother-in-arms was buried uh, and when he lost his life during the war. And he uh, he nearly kidnaps the kids and like takes them to a, a little fallout shelter that they built in the backyard him and his buddy before they went off to war. And uh, he's getting ready to like tell them, like like try to instill in them some respect by telling them a story about the war. And then he kind of like realizes that's not worth it. These kids aren't really going to learn anything. And he's got to get moving anyway. And then he come to find out like he and his buddy were kind of both in love with the same woman and there's some regrets there because the other, the other, his buddy died during the war. So he, for a time, felt like he won the girl in the end, but the girl really wanted the other man. And it's just a whole lot in the eight pages of story where, like, I just feel like this guy on some level just feels like he just wasted it all after the war. Like he was somebody during the war and then he just settled and he, uh, he settled because like maybe that's what his friend would have wanted him to do with settled with this girl that didn't really respect him. And, uh, he just needed to let off some steam and it's, it's all about, I don't know. It's, it's deep. It runs deep for me. Like regret. Don't regret your life's choices. And there, there was a like a, a real other layer to that story too, where he the kids are like defacing the monument, so he you know he gets his gun and ties them up in the shelter to teach them a lesson, mm-hmm. fully expecting to let them go in a few hours on their way, and he just like starts talking about his life in front of them, like angrily speaking out loud. You know, I'm like, oh, we, you know, we were chasing after the same woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really like her. You know, I, I don't know if I loved her. Or I don't know if I loved him. And then he like caught himself, and he's like, I don't worry about it. You wouldn't understand. So the like the the thought process of potentially being in love with another man who's in the army, mm-hmm. and him not being able to process that or even know what that means. And he, the guy dies, so he's, like, left with this woman that he was, quote-unquote, chasing after. Maybe because he, that's what the, the man that he potentially was in love with was doing. He just marries her and then lives a miserable life. God, that was, like, so, it was, there were so many layers yeah. to that that you could even you could even hope to unravel. And then he has that heart attack, uh, like, right after that. Yeah. And finds out that he's been out for a month. So those <laughs> kids in the fallout shelter are long dead after that. <laughs> There's something about... That was by Peter Milligan. And I don't know if I mentioned it on this show, but in my time at San Diego Comic-Con, like a lot of creators reference Peter Milligan alongside Neil Gaiman. 
Really? And that's just something I've never heard before. Hmm. And it's probably just for my own ignorance. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've heard that either. But like Karen Gillan, um, G. Willow Wilson, and a host of other creators like all put Peter Milligan up there as like their favorite writer. And I was like, Whoa, wow. what, what, like what, what Peter Milligan stuff do I need to read to like, what, what, what rock have I been living under? So mm. we should try to weasel in some more Peter Milligan stuff to see what, what the cream of the crop is. Yeah. We got to dig down the deep into that. Cream. Yeah. Let's unpack it what, as people would say. Trying to, trying to think of what my, my fave story was. I love Richard Corbin. Anything. I mean, mm-hmm. my favorite Punisher story is Punisher the end with him on art. So he had the first, the very first story. Um, honestly, I think Mightier was my favorite one, and that one was only three pages. It was so good that I almost screenshotted it and tweeted it out, but I felt bad because I'm tweeting out the whole story. Mm-hmm. That one was more of like an interpretive art piece, um, you know, as they're as they're signing the declaration of war to like drop the bomb. Uh, for, oh in World yeah, War II. that was gorgeous. Yeah. It was it was amazing. It was so powerful, and you you know you follow them reading the letter, and then it drifts into the bomb dropping, and you know it, I'm, I'm doing it a disservice mm-hmm. by describing it because it's so beautiful, but you know the, it shows the the destruction of the bomb dropping and the blood of the people that were impacted by the bomb becoming the ink of the declaration of war, and it was and it's only three pages. And it was just so mm-hmm. striking. Um, Peter Cooper had done it, uh, but it was, it was really beautiful. Uh, I think my second one was looking good, feeling great. The, by David yeah. Lloyd, that, that was the one where you were following the veteran who essentially goes on a killing spree. Oh yeah. And, but the parallel story is this like workout video of this, you know, this inspirational woman telling you, you can do whatever you want just believe in yourself and feel good and look great. And it was a very strange, but, um, fitting parallel, you know, that like you're watching this, this veteran pretty much he's done and he's, he's shooting pretty much people he knows at all his specific haunts. It was very dark, obviously super dark. And like when it started, I was like, I don't know if I want to read this, but the, the, the parallel of both of those stories playing at the same time, I thought was really well done and, you know, just very poignant. I mean, it's, that's the real deal, honestly, mm-hmm. with like some veterans, you know, they, you know, it's, everyone knows it, but it was just, it's a very dark story. And I thought it worked very well. Uh, as long as we're mentioning our runner ups, I think the elopement elopement was probably my second favorite. Uh, that's also that same issue. Slim. That's the, uh, civil war story. Where the uh, mm. it, and I thought I forgot it, about that. It reminded me the most, and I think I'm. I probably didn't utter it out loud, but shouted in my mind. I was like, "Oh, Tales from the Crypt!" Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, immediately. I was like, "This is a great 22 minute Tales from the Crypt episode that I'm reading," mm-hmm. and it's the, essentially the story of uh, a northern captain. He's in a southern prison, and uh, the Union soldiers are have been there, and they're embittered for a long time. And he's kind of adjusting to life, and um, he kind of befriends a young—is uh, it drummer boy or bugle boy, whatever it is? Like a, they lead the march, and um, through circumstance, finds out that it's a young woman uh, who wanted to aid the war effort. So she 
you know, changed her name and became a, a boy. And they start this um, sexual relationship that turns kind of like into this um, nightingale romance where they're, they're in prison. So like life will be perfect when they get out and they make all these grand plans. And she gives them this uh, beautiful locket and says, you know, my soul's in it. I wish my soul in this. I get, you know, like a declaration of love. And uh, <clears throat> she ends up being killed. And the Tales from the Crypt moment happens where he kind of goes crazy, but the gift is enough to bring her corpse back to life and the corpse kind of gets revenge on the the other prisoner who killed her and kind of ruined his life and carries him through this tunnel they had made to, you know, freedom. And that's a great... You're not emotionally invested in the outcome as as much as you're following this character drama, mm-hmm. and which is where I think Tales from the Crypt always shine through the best. Yeah, and uh, it's just a supernatural story that I connected with. I, I love short stories. I, I probably love supernatural short stories the most. So this was right up my alley. And it, it was just had that just that element of. Uh, Tales from the Crypty and horror because he was uh, before he went to war he was a a, uh, a watchmaker and he worked with like cogs and like wheels yeah. and so he made this wooden like cog person with her bones and he gave that machine the soul in the bottle and that's what came to life and it was just like this TikTok person murder person. It- <laughs> And <laughs> murder person. Let's put that on your business card. Dale underscore a murder person. Uh, what I loved probably overall about this volume the most is I don't think any of these stories would have worked well as a novel or a full book. But in their simplicity and and, and their shortness, they all work perfectly. I think they all really hit home and whatever one note they're trying to like give to you it's very nicely expressed in in the briefness of the stories and Mm -hmm. that's not always easy for a writer artist to convey and i don't i think with maybe the exception of new toys which i probably like the least all the other stories are that's that's the least best in my opinion and i I would still say it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. message yeah, the I I liked the fact that this just exists. Like, you'll never see me ever complaining about uh, a sort of uh, a run in a comic book where you can get some short stories like that, like a Dark Horse presents. But that you know they just get a feather in their butt, and then Vertigo just like let's just do a four issue miniseries where we can tell a couple of quick short stories. This time it happens to relate to war. And especially a Vertigo or a big publisher like that, to just do it and it's four, four and done and it's just a, a place for people to tell the stories. And I think that's just, there's such a place for that in comics that... I don't know. It just makes me happy to see it exists. And like, and, and in my head, I don't know what the comic scene is in 97. I don't know what the real comic scene is. You know what I mean? I mean like, you're, I thir- the, you're 35, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just I'm, out of college. I'm just... 1997. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, was, I couldn't <laughs> take it further. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I absolutely agree. I'm so tickled that this exists, but little did we know, and probably most people that are listening right now already know and have been yelling at their phones, that this existed for 124 issues mm. in the 70s. Really? Seventy-one to eighty-three ran for twelve years. Wow, man! Weird war tales from DC. Feel oh, like DC a big book. dummy. You know, Charles but, Forsman uh, is flipping out right now. Sorry, Charles. He just flipped over his table of nineteen odd nineteen eighties comic books that he just bought from his local comic shop. Man, but I, I mean, I'd love for this to exist now. But I'm grateful that we were able to read these four issues, and now I'm really curious to read the originals i don't i don't know if they're available digitally but mm. the stuff that comiXology has disclaimer for comiXology uh they have the like horror tales that have been collected i think fanographics or idw are collecting them those are those are really good they're they're fun to read and they're they're ancient you know compared to what we're used to but um the tunnel rats we didn't i'm not even sure if we really talked about the tunnel rats mm. story that one, I thought that one was one of my favorite ones as well. Maybe top three. Top three. Also, Tales and from the Cryptian. The the concept of tunnel rats from Vietnam. Have we talked about that before on a podcast? Was that in Fury or was that on a book jug where you guys talked about that? I think it was book jug when we talked about things they carried. Okay. All right, Dale? Fact check me. I, that's, that's what I was wondering. I don't but remember. That sounds accurate. Yeah, it could be accurate, but it, I mean, it's slim if you don't remember talking about it. It's you know, it's all bleeds together. It does. The, but, the paper keg bleed. But we did talk. I mean, we did talk. Uh, have we, an ep- episode on the Nam, and we had an episode on uh, oh, yeah. Punisher Born. Oh, oh man, Punisher Born. The the Tunnel Rats idea. You know, it's about this guy who is telling a story about how. It was his and his group's job to go into the hidden underground tunnels to get, quote unquote, Charlie during the war. And it was no one else's job but them. And they got paid extra. It's all booby. You know, what's that? They got extra money in their paychecks because of the extra risk they were taking. Yeah. That's good. Hazard pay. I guess that's good. Hazard pay. (laughs) They, um, so they have to, they, they essentially like napalmed the above ground area but they always knew that the tunnels existed so they still had to go in and make sure that they were dead and but it was always booby trapped it was ex- extremely dangerous they didn't know what they were walking into and it talks about how they went down there after a long period of time and they started finding dead bodies and eventually they they found them the troops down there and they had essentially like gone mad from just living in darkness and tunneling constantly and they were eating each other. And once they saw these American military guys walk in, it was like, you know, Christmas morning and they attacked and I think two guys got out and they never wrote about it in their reports. And the, the one guy that's living said that the other guy that escaped has, is now dead mysteriously. So he's like, I know they're coming for me. They're looking for me after all these years. And, that I felt that idea is so. It, it's very like X Files, Tales from the Crypt, Creep Show, whatever you want to call it. But it was so on point, mm-hmm. and I loved that idea that the people in that tunnel just kept tunneling 
for you know decades <laughs> I thought to the, get to him the best part of that story is um, you know this is a flashback story through an interview that they, the survivor is telling to like the VA psychologist and there's like a very cinematic moment uh, at the climax of the story where it flashes to the psychologist giving notes like yep just as we expected he's after all these years he's finally broken it's a you know clinical uh schizophrenia whatever they call it and and but then it's a shot of the other person die mysteriously with a hole in their floor in their house back to the person giving notes about how crazy this guy is and then the final shot is the survivor with his grand uh garand however you pronounce it dale probably correct me in a second you know with his um his stool He's in his basement. There's a wooden floor, and you just like see like tap, 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 tap. Mm-hmm. Like so, he's been telling the truth all the time, and you have no idea what's going to happen next. And the end. Perfect. One of the most cinematic moments in a comic that I can recall in recent memory. And it was, and the, again, it was just kind of layered enough to where something like how it was typed up in the report, at the after action report of the mission. It would have just never been talked about. So stuff like that is just like, you know, it, it not specifically this, but like things end up get, getting swept under, under the rug. And then that's why you have soldiers coming home who need help, but just nobody is willing to hear them out or or uh, give them the, the psychological help that they may need. So it's like, you know, there's like a parallel, but this is actually like, you know, his... There's somebody coming up from his basement crawl space, and he is just, nobody else may not believe him, but he is just ready for him, and it's, you know, it can't end well, because obviously they've made it, you know, 40 years after the war to come get him. What kind of crazy creatures are going to come flying mm-hmm. out of that hole? Critters. And that's, I mean, that's what it is like if uh, uh, Elias in Platoon, the, um, oh boy. What's his name? Dale, that just made me think, the critter in your wall, is that from your time in Desert Storm? <laughs> Have they been uh, tunneling yeah. all the way through since the early 90s? When I was a major general when I was 47 years old. And when you were one of the three kings from that movie? <laughs> Based on his life. <laughs> you were Marky, the Clooney? Marky Wahlberg. Dale, <laughs> Dale was Marky Wahlberg. and Dale Andrews. <laughs> Second Louis Andrews, they called him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, man. The, so Elias was the uh, uh, boy, the Green Goblin. We'll get it all in from we'll get it all in post. Yeah, he was a tunnel rat, and uh, yeah, it's wicked. It's wild stuff, man. The Vietnam War. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I can't. Still to this day, it's wild. I ever, I ever told the story about how many times I've seen the, a um, bayonet from vietnam and i've tried at least on four <laughs> different occasions to like bid on it for dale uh-huh. and we lose every time yeah, and lose. i feel every time i have to deliver the text to dale that we didn't get it i die a little bit inside <laughs> yeah it's probably haunted anyway <laughs> dale would live his own creep show skit uh, yeah somehow oh man uh, don't even want to think he about would be it. like so the terrifying. main character in the sword and he would be living out his own worst nightmare it'd be <laughs> the most terrible thing ever uh, weird War Tales. Mm-hmm. Vertigo. There you have it. We got your letters. 
I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, Mary, right on our. Uh, our first letter uh, comes to us from dear friend Caleb. Uh, he writes with no subject. What's up, keggers? Since my last letter, I fully set up my Twitter so you know I'm real. <laughs> I wanted to thank Dale for following me. Never thought I'd be so happy to have some 50-year-old guy who's been known to use <laughs> ether and kidnapped artists he likes that I met on the internet following me. Uh, thanks for taking the time, Dale. Slim was probably too busy hanging out with his dear friends in the industry like Rob Liefeld and Mark Millar. And Jonesy just probably didn't want to be the least popular host following me. <laughs> uh, for the record, Caleb, it comes as no surprise that I really don't know how to work the internet very well, so uh, I'll correct that mistake. Uh, Dale uh, is just at a higher echelon, so you have to... Classic uh, guilt trip that he, follow back. He, <laughs> I'm just gotcha. trying to throw the shade back on you. Uh, book club suggestions... Final Crisis, not because I hate you guys, but because I think the way you would slaughter the book would be hilarious. <laughs> and Onslaught or Age of Apocalypse? Thor, mm. God of Thunder, Volumes 1 and 2. Oh. I, did we do Volume 1? Mm-mm. We did didn't we? do uh, Jason Aaron's Th- Thor? Thor's been on our list to do a mega episode for the entire Thor Jason Aaron oh, run. Oh, man. Mm. Spoilers. Uh, thanks, guys. P, uh, postscript, Slim, what do you think of the WWE brand split? Who do you think won? And Dale and Jonesy, I think you both should give some serious consideration to giving Jack Reacher a BJ. The first <laughs> novel, The Killing Floor, is phenomenal. Read it in a day, and it was so good. Mm. I could I could come back to the, the book jug table for Jack Reacher, I think, Dale. Wow. Uh, to do retirement. To, to come back one last wow. time. You know, uh, we got two days to, to to get it together. We had to turn our badge and our gun, mm-hmm. but we come back for Jack Reacher one wow. one final time. I tell you what, Out of, if it, wow, I mean, just because of sheer coincidence, striking while the iron is hot. I got about a day, one two one and a half commutes left in my book, and tomorrow happens to be Friday, so I'll be primed and ready for a new book come Monday morning. So I think. I think we should spit on our palms and slap them together over the internet and oh agree that, Is that legal? one final time, we'll book jug Jack Reacher, The Killing Floor. Out of the unannounced, unofficial retirement of book jug, <laughs> the <laughs> podcast that shall not be named, finally named, <laughs> one final time. I also like how we referenced the long forgotten running joke that Dale kidnaps his favorite creators <laughs> and ties them yeah, up in his face. So glad that that's been, <laughs> uh, now getting to the real question, the wrestling question, right. if we could, please can't wait to hear, you know, the brand split. I love the brand split. Now, no, wait a minute. Those that are uh, for the uninitiated. Wasn't there already a brand a- split? Raw many moons ago, a few years ago, they did something similar, and then it ended. Yeah, so Raw has two shows. Monday or WWE has two shows: Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. And they SmackDown wasn't live, but there were they made it live, Mm -hmm. and they split the brand so that some wrestlers would only be on Raw and some would only be on SmackDown. So you can have like your favorite show, and you only you always knew what your wrestlers were gonna, which show they were gonna be on. 
So I actually, I've been enjoying it. I feel like SmackDown got the shaft in in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but SummerSlam is Sunday. NXT Saturday. McGregor Diaz two oh, Saturday. Yeah. Oh man, mm. my God, palpable. I can't it's wait palpable. for that fight. The the, palpable. T- the tweeting, the social media crescendo has been an all time high mm-hmm. this past wow. week. Ninety two percent. Second second time, Jonesy has said crescendo. If you're I taking felt, note, I felt like I had to use it again. To, two times, because, two different notable. Two times, two different pronunciations of the word. To to your point. Sometimes I like to switch it up. So, but what happens? I mean, do uh, so do the two brands slam together during the summer and face each other, or do they only have big main events split? That's a good question. That is a good. The SummerSlam is like one of their big four pay per views. Mm -hmm. So this is going to have a pay per view with like matches from each brand. And there's one match that has people battling each other from separate brands. But once this pay-per-view is over, they're going to do like a SmackDown pay-per-view and a Raw pay-per-view. And then maybe at like Royal Rumble or whatever, they'll have like a joint. But they won't really meet. Like the the wrestlers from each band brand won't fight each mm-hmm. other necessarily. Maybe down the line, they'll like need to spice something up where like a SmackDown guy comes on Raw and they're like, oh, good. Oh, yeah. what's he doing here? They're really taking and a chance he'll with be this. the shill. But it's so far so good. I I I enjoy it. Really taking a chance with this, but I, you know, good luck to the WWE. Good luck to Slim and his match on Sunday. Uh, Matt HH, a hot uh, uh, mid bachelor party right now. To be honest with you, he won't he won't hear this until he's good and sober Tuesday morning. Uh, did somebody say Rick Rubin and? Uh, uh, just forewarning, this is just an email where he lists his favorite Rick Rubin albums. So here we go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's see? actually probably intoxicated writing I'm this. Not sure if that, I'm not sure if us mentioning Rick Rubin was an invitation for your favorite Rick Rubin <laughs> albums. This is the the guys on a bender. Let him go. RickRubes.net uh, fan forum here. This is where we listed the message boards. On Usenet group, Rick Rubin. Here are just a few of my favorite albums produced by Rick Rubin. Uh, obviously, this relates to uh, Eddie Piscor's Hip Hop Family Tree Volume One, nineteen eighty six Run DMC Raising H, nineteen eighty six Beastie Boys Licensed to Ill, nineteen ninety The Black Crows Shake Your Money Maker, ninety one Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sugar Sex Magic, nineteen ninety four Johnny Cash American Recordings, ninety four Tom Petty Wildflowers. 2002, Johnny Cash, American 4, The Man Comes Around. 2012, The Avit Brothers, The Carpenter. There are tons of other albums on his, and he hyperlinked it, his Wikipedia page. Listener lightning round, the advertisements for 7 to Eternity, number one, R.I.P. Me, signed, uh, Bachelor to the Matchelor, Matt H.H., Batch HH. So he, he could have just tweeted uh, fa- hashtag fave seven Rick Rubin albums and saved us uh, the airtime. <laughs> <but. laughs> uh, next letter uh, from our dearest friend. Uh, you may know him as Under an Anchor. Uh, and here we just call him Sean. You know, 
we're on a first name basis with the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes, overwhelming ses- sense yeah, of appreciation. Guys, where do I even begin? This will probably be a long one. Uh, first off, a big thank you to Nieto underscore NMS for the beautiful review of my comic. That line about capturing warm, intoxicating nostalgia and calling it Kirby-esque is pretty much the highest praise I could have hoped for. Also, believe it or not, I did not pay Mr. Nieto to plug my book in a listener lightning round, so it came as the most pleasant of surprises. If it's okay with you, Jonesy, I'd like to quote your review of my book, It Smells Incredible, and put that right on the dust cover of the tray when it's ready for printing. Uh, go ahead. You can use it as a pull quote, my full permission. If that's not the best pull quote to help sell a book, I don't know what it is. In all honesty, I probably smelled my comics more than I read them when I was younger. To this day, there's just something about the way the ink smells on that paper that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Jonesy, I know where you're coming from, babe. Uh, I will also. I was also surprised and a little bit jealous to hear that Dale and Pialo text from time to time. I don't even have his number. Mm. Dale, later would you send me that info in a private DM? Thanks, hon. Uh, in actuality, it's Dale and I that text. And uh, with the kimono is parted here, friends. Mm. And although we've never met, I do consider him a friend. Most of our conversation are very at the flap, I'm sorry, hashtag the flap in nature. And really, you can't help but form a strong bond talking to someone about the stresses of cleaning dog urine off the floor and then immediately getting your child's poop on your fingers when helping him wipe up because you bought the cheap toilet paper. Uh, I felt an instant bond of Dale years ago when I heard the Al Dente episode of The Flap because I have a very similar story involving a beautiful Filipino nurse and a testicular cancer scare. I'm fine and I have my jewels intact, but the experience is still one of the funniest and most humiliating of my life. Uh, I'll share it with you sometime. It's been said many, many times, but the Paper Cake Podcast is truly the highlight of my week. It's not only given me hours of entertainment, but has helped shape my taste as a reader and put me in contact with some great people like at Karate Chop, uh, our other good friend Sean, uh, at Jim Lynn for Pope, uh, my sometimes nemesis, and the always adorable at Catcher. Uh, being part of the PK family is something I hold dear and thank you f- uh, sincerely. Uh, love you, babes. Sean. Or at under an anchor. Did you see that um, that Paolo Rivera blog post where he deconstructs the creating of the cover to the latest episode of the original? Amazing. Mm. Amazing deconstruction. Sean, uh, many congratulations and all of the uh, praise in the world to you, my friend. You are a great friend and you. we can always text each other about uh, dipping your fingers in human poop. Uh, <laughs> Filipino nurses and testicles and things like these. <laughs> I uh, I got wise. I use uh, for my son who's potty trained, but you know, I need to check his work every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use the Kirkland brand mm-hmm. flushable wipes. Kirkland. Really? I don't even do toilet paper for him. I've learned my lesson the hard way a couple times. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, part the kimono to my bushy bush is uh definitely like hanging out there like in a heavy metal magazine hashtag richard corbin uh my wife 
she buys the BJ's brands of, of wipes for the kids, but they're not flushable. So even when I'm, Ooh. even when I'm, you know, searching for relief on, uh, upon the throne, I forget that it's not flushable. But then I remember when I stand up, so then I got to get a head <laughs> in there with like oh, maybe yeah. a toilet brush shit way shit shit situation is that what we got for situation and i kind of kind of like like spin the toilet brush like a logger would to like kind of like wrap <laughs> to get the to get the wipe like caught on the bristles otherwise it'll just like fall off if i just try to pick it directly out of the bowl like spindle it only like, uh, only here folks of the paper cake podcast about comic books can you get this type of story told? and who knows how trash my septic is because of the ones i've forgotten <laughs> that's dead it's you're gonna the real reason rat you're selling your house clean that <laughs> I'm out need a tunnel rat <laughs> you're gonna be that tunnel yep. rat avoiding poop booby traps <laughs> <laughs> got one last letter came in hot while we were recording the beginning of the episode i can flash back and picture it while we were talking mm. uh Special friend. I'll save his name till the end. Hello, gents. Just wanted to give a big congrats to Jonesy and Dale for finishing the hottest GD 5K in history. Truly an awesome feat for the first time going that distance. That 9 a.m. 105 degree heat index was some daunting stuff, and these two giants persevered. Also props to the entire PK family on raising the most money per runner, according to very rough, rough estimations, for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Next up, hashtag PK10K. That is a special friend of the show who showed up that day to uh, run it himself and cheer us on as as uh, we are all one big happy family. That's Ren Mike D on the Twitter, everybody. I'll tell you, looked amazing. Did he not? He looked amazing. Looked very svelte. And you know, he wore black too, so maybe there were some you know, great minds thinking alike that well, day. Well, yeah, I guess technically wore a blue shirt, though. Yeah. Listen, guys, black listen, shorts. listen. We both wore the same color. I didn't designate, did I? Shirt? No, no, I didn't. Everybody relax. Red Mike D, you look great. And you wore black. Yeah, he looked fantastic. And uh, he was so into it, and he's so, like, part of that, like, he's just, his muscles are so taut and ready to run. He ran a 4K up on the boardwalk after the 5K. A self, just for He self-4K'd. Or just ran into the ocean when he was done. I mean, that's what I would have wanted to do. Or maybe he probably had a pocket full of those BJ's wipes, you know? <laughs> just threw them in the uh, big 50-gallon garbage drum. <laughs> flushing needed over there. On the there you have it. Paper keg in the can. This episode, not unlike a BJ wipe. Next week... If I can get my Google Doc to load. Something by Peter Milligan. Actually, that would have been a good idea. Well, there's an empty slot. Jonesy Live, online, live producing. Idiot F. Boy, look out. Gosh, can he? Guy has to turn around (laughs) on himself. Uh, Next week, I actually have down Monstrous Volume 1. What is it, Volume 1? Monstrous Volume 1. Check it out. We'll see everybody next week. Love you.
monstrous. Monstrous, the uh, the comic that took the world by storm. No, I actually I'm not sure what monstrous is. That's probably because I, I haven't. I know that's why that's why I threw it on the dock. We're gonna change the game up a little bit. Whoa, changing the game up. What you know? what what are we changing to? Changing the game. And I don't know what Jonesy's looking at a video of someone looking directly into the sun because now I can't even see her own face. <laughs> Star Child. The end of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah. yeah his happen. eyeball color changing to red, green, plaid. I sometimes, when I click to make sure frantically that I'm still recording, because I have tell a, the computer have, to shut off. I have a complex now. I don't always click the right window back and there was like a blank white window open and it like instantly blinded me. So I was like, mm. just, you know, visibly is something, you know, I should describe on a podcast for. Yeah, what else listen. we should do? I'm going to add to the doc. Insects. Really? Oh, yeah. By That's Marguerite popular. Bennett. Popular. Sexy book. Vile. Oh, I thought it was about bugs. Is not about it's bugs? About, it's about bugs and bugs and how, that how have they copulate sex with each other. Oh, yeah. That's my understanding. Are we having a, a, a Paper Cake Nights episode? After the sun goes down, harmonica. Jensie playing some kind of violin, mm-hmm. bass, Sitar. mixture. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe a guitar. Harmonica. like he was tickling someone's feet that were right next to his face. Harmonica hand, and then you gotta get the wah wah <laughs> fingers. Just it's something, you know. It's obviously, something. not a natural harmonica player, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. However. Yeah. 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 What a show! Great show! Great show. It felt good to, uh, you know. Always feels good to record with you boys, you know. Mm. I uh, old times. My mouth is so dry from eating. Uh, We'll pull back the curtain. Chicken wings, but they weren't sauced. They were dry rubbed. They were so Ooh. salty. My mouth is so dry salty. tonight. Did you go to um, uh, your 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 place, your wing place? I, close. I would have enjoyed Dino's? that place with some desert heat from the uh, the dry rub section of the, at the Buffalo Wild Wings. This is more of a local joint, BJ Roasters. Not the same people. I mean, we set the record tonight for most times we ever supported BJ. <laughs> Honestly, in different, I don't understand how this is happening. In different scenarios in different contexts. as well. Uh, I can go for some wings right now. You know, I, I you know, uh, saying go for BJ. <laughs> <laughs> Slim, since we're so local to each other, we should log off and go down the Union Jacks and get some... Uh, some wings, Union Jacks. And some, I'll tell you uh, what, I love Union Jacks. Some of the best wings I ever had. Mm. But if you think you can park anywhere in Glenside, you're wrong because yeah, no establishment it. has parking anywhere. And I will never go to Glenside ever again. This is what we do: we park at Jersey's and get a cold road soda for the walk over to Union Jacks. So we're nice and primed mm. when we get our uh, Caribbean jerk wings. I mean, I'm not even. Oh God, they were so good. But mm. there's no parking in that city. No, it's a joke. We, Amanda and I have gone down there twice. One for like meeting people at for like a party. We couldn't find parking. We just went home. And then there was another time <laughs> where yes, we were looking for a place to evening. eat. Oh my god! And 
we couldn't find parking, so we just went home. And I, and I, that was the night where I said, we're not going to Glenside anymore. Even though you and Jax is great, let's just be. be what about Glenside Uber XL? You got You know what you got to do, <laughs> Slim, is the like four or five blocks before that five points in Glenside, you got to park on the main street and just be prepared to hoof it for like four blocks, five blocks. Mm. Sounds terrible. Mm. Sounds terrible. For a runner, mm. it should be nothing, right? That's a blink for you, four blocks. <laughs> so I have to run to get wings at 11 o'clock at night? That, yeah. That's what I have to do? That's I mean, it I'm sounds preposterous to? now that I say it out loud. <laughs> the, you got to get some Grubhub. I don't so think look, Union Jacks is on Grubhub, but they should be. This is what we do. I hop in my Suburban. I pick you up. Your total Suburban. We go down. <laughs> you know, I call it is you know my uh, my future Jeep Unlimited. I'm going to pick you up. Mm. I'm going to drive down to Glenside. Oh We're going to find parking. We're going to walk into Union Jacks. We're going to get a two Optimus Primes beers, and we're going to have some Caribbean jerk wings and some English chips. He's doing that Mr. He's, Macho Man hand movement as he. That's, that's how when I get himself. excited. He's so excited you know? about it. <laughs> I'm not going to change out of my PJs. I don't care. I'm going to go in my pajamas. And you nobody. Mean your Peter Pans? Your Peter Pan pants? <laughs> uh, cat... <laughs> Short pants? <laughs> Fresh Rufy. off the set from oh. a local presentation of Pan. <laughs> you know They're what? Very a place to get. The place to get wings around here, Jonesy, is Emiliano's. Where is that place? Emiliano's? Is that Roswell? It's in the Grubhub app. I don't know where it is, but I just ordered it. could be a Warrington. You just order. They come to you. No idea. They come to me. We are just name dropping local Philadelphia suburban towns like anyone cares. It's like local drive time radio. (laughs) Driving down 76 this morning and traffic was real bad. Call me up. Tell me about it. Simpsons episode where uh, Pink Floyd has like the street names written on the backs of their guitars. Uh, that was a uh, spinal tap. Spinal tap. That's what it was. <laughs> it was either spinal. It was spinal tap, or it was the flaming mo episode with Aerosmith. No, no. It, it, I thought at first it would have Frampton with the light up pig. When Peter Frampton comes oh, to Springfield, maybe you're right. You're calling out a few classic episodes right now. Mm-hmm. I think I th- it might be the spinal tap episode, based only because at the end of that um, set, they're the fourth member the thing didn't happen when they were trying to blow up the de- the Satan blow mm. up because it was so wet on the stage and they canceled the rest of the show and then what's his face said good night Springton there will be no on call <laughs> no that's it that's it it's the spinal tap episode Springton. I, sometimes I just say that line around the house crack myself up <laughs> good night Springton 